Hello, this is John White. We're excited to have Kathy Green with me here. And we are doing another session on uh, testimonies of lament, kind of looking at uh, our stories that are honest and real about things that haven't really worked out, things that have been difficult, but actually a bit of hope and seeing where what that has done for us. So hello, Kathy. It's great to have you here. Tell me a little about yourself. Tell me what you do, what you're into. Who are you? Normally, I live in South Africa. I've lived in South Africa for 13 years. I went over there because I wanted to be part of improving access to antiretrovirals, which is the drug for people who have HIV. And I got into healthcare and trying to improve healthcare in South Africa initially after having worked in the NHS and Department of Health in the UK for many years. And since then, I have had an amazing 13 years just working in healthcare in low-income countries trying to improve health outcomes for people. Great. Really interesting. And you live in this beautiful area called Hout Bay, right outside Cape Town. We visited you. It's absolutely stunning. Let's hear your story. I am a very adventurous person by nature, and I used to wrestle with that. I couldn't understand why it was that I was why I was. But I stopped worrying about that after a while and realized that just God had made me as I was and I, I didn't need to struggle with the things and the passions that I had. And one of my passions was to circumnavigate the world, which basically means I wanted to sail around the world. There was only one organization I knew of that I could do that through because I didn't have the sailing competence nor the boat to do that myself on my own. Nine years ago, I decided that this was the time I was going to realize this long-term ambition and I was gonna join this organization um, who would enable me to race around the world. It's the only amateur yacht race that you can do, as I know of. So I was interviewed and I was selected and I started saving. Now there is the rub. So this yacht race was going to cost me £40,000. So I worked incredibly hard. I saved significantly. I went on their training courses. And just before the race, while I had very little money, I was asked to pay some more compulsory money for insurance, which was another £1,000. So I paid that. I closed down my work because I was working freelance and this race was going to take almost a year so I closed down my work um, and I thought well let me come to the UK I'm still in South Africa at the time so I think thought let me come to this the UK just about four weeks before see family and friends and then be ready to start the race I'd let out my apartment so I was packing it all up and just two days before I was due to fly out to the UK, I went off to see a friend on my scooter um, to say goodbye to her. So that afternoon, I had a massive, massive accident on my scooter. My surgeon later said that there was a 50% chance that I wouldn't have survived from the scene. I broke my pelvis, I broke my leg in two places. It really was quite a stuff up. And I remember as I hit the road, knowing that this was the end of my yacht race that I'd worked so hard and planned and looked forward to for so long. My sister was incredible. She came over from England to support me in hospital and look after me subsequently. And she and I 
and my friends knew that one of the early things we had to do was discuss with the organisation that I was supposed to be sailing with what we could do to make a plan. And I was optimistic because I had heard of other people who'd managed to defer their place from one year to the next opportunity to do the race. However, one week later, my sister came and saw me and she had been in contact with the organisation. I was in ICU at the time, so I'm still very sick. And she told me that the organisation had told me and told her that it wasn't possible to defer my place because I hadn't taken out some additional insurance. I was absolutely devastated. However, I had two ops to go and I was still in ICU, so I had to make a plan. That's a very South African phrase. While I was in hospital, I found layers and layers of grace for my circumstance that I didn't believe I had within me. I felt that God had laid down grace in me that I'd not been aware of. And I marveled at my own capacity to be gracious and submit to the indignities and the challenges and the pain and the distress of what I was going through. What I also experienced was just incredible love and support from neighbours, from friends, people who I just never realised cared. It took a very long time to recover. Sadly, I had to have a third operation, but every evening somebody came and brought me food and gave me company while I was recovering. It was absolutely staggering. So that was an incredible blessing. But then the question was, would I ever be able to get back to the race? And unbeknownst to me, the Commodore of my yacht club had heard about my story and had a personal contact with the chairman of the organization. So he asked me to describe what had happened to me because he wanted to make an appeal on my behalf. So you can imagine that I had hope raised at that point that maybe God was going to step in and transform this very sad situation. And remember, I've already spent £40,000. There's going to be no opportunity to start from scratch again and do this. So I had hope raised and then the chairman turned around and said no. So at that point, I felt my only option was to try and recover as much as I could and join the race. The race had already started, people were sailing around the world and so that's what I did. I worked incredibly hard to recover as much physical fitness as I possibly could and eventually my surgeon signed me off as fit for the boat and so seven months after the start of the race I flew to China to meet my boat and to do what I thought would be a further five months of racing around the world. Perhaps naively, I thought that my fellow sailors 
on my boat would be excited to have me join and would see the work that I'd done to get to a point of fitness to join them. But actually what I encountered when I met them was a group of very despondent people who were completely exhausted, who really hated what they'd signed up to do, but were determined to see it through. And so when I arrived on the boat, I experienced huge resentment because they saw me as dead, dead weight. They saw me as joining the boat with a disability, effectively. So I prayed and I processed and I figured that I would win them over because I was actually quite a good sailor. And I knew that I, I could sail and I could take my share of the burden of getting the boat from, we were heading to San Francisco. I knew I could share some of that burden and that I'd probably win them round as long as I could show them that I was able to make a contribution. However, eight days in, I broke my rib. Now I know you're starting to think I'm somewhat accident prone, but this was the 27th rib that had been broken on the boat in seven months. So this was a very frequent accident on the boat, but unfortunately, because of the threat of puncturing your lung, I firstly had to stay on my bunk for a full seven days and then I was assigned duties down below. So I wasn't able to sail, which was appropriate and safe, but it effectively meant that for 24 days before we got to San Francisco, I was a paid skivvy. I cleaned the toilets, I washed up, I made food and I wrote a diary which was full of all my frustrations and anger. And I confess that I've never reread that diary, but at least my pent up emotion was poured out into the words on the diary and not expressed to my fellow crew who were still treating me with significant disdain. So when I got to San Francisco, I flew back to the UK to recover. I was completely bewildered. I was very angry, angry with the company that had been so inflexible. I was devastated that my long-standing ambition had not been realized. And I didn't know how to forgive. Primarily, I didn't know how to forgive an organization because it was the organization that I felt huge resentment for. Interestingly, not the individuals on the boat who were easy to forgive because I understood what they'd been going through. There was a point at which I had offers from lawyers to take up my case and see whether or not they could get a better outcome for me financially. And it was a difficult decision to let it go. But I decided I wanted to let it go and move on with my life. I have to say that I still don't understand it. And I don't think that we always do understand the difficult things that happen in our lives. But I do know that God knows. And I know that probably one day he'll reveal the full picture 
to me. But I did get on with my life and I guess the epilogue that I wanted to share with you, John, is that about three years later, I saw a sign and it happened to be relating to car parking. But I really felt God said, this is my word to you. And the words on the sign were nine free spaces. And I believe that God was saying, I am gonna give you nine free spaces to enable you to circumnavigate the world. Because of course I couldn't afford it by now. So I've already had two free spaces. I've had two amazing trips that cost me nothing. And I've got another seven to go, for which I'm very excited. But the second part of my epilogue is that 18 months ago, I was given a boat. I was just given a sailing boat. Didn't pay anything for it. And now I'm a boat owner. I have no idea how all of this will come together in a neat little story. Indeed, it may never do. But I do know that God wants the best for me. I know that he works all things together for good. And I know that he is excited to have me see the rest of this story outworking. Such a fabulous story. I think one of the things that's interesting in what you share is just kind of the it's just so interesting we have these dreams and we work so hard but when they're taken away the injustice of it and there's this kind of injustice but in your story you kind of work to overcome the injustice to get back on that boat and then there's more injustice that happens and so it's that and this is kind of what we're hitting at this lament is when everything's stripped away and you kind of come to the end of your ability where's God in that moment and um, I think for for all of us, one of the things that's really important is just the support of family and friends. It's, and that was one of the key parts of your story is when you're in that hospital bed, there's family and friends. But um, even in the midst of family and friends sometimes, there's this kind of loneliness or this kind of questioning of, you know, as I talked about in my, in my session, a disorientation of what is up, what is down. And I think there's a unique work that God does in those times when you feel disorientated. You've been listening to a New Wine England podcast. For more information, visit new-wine.org.